0: Um, Pastor Daniel and his family are having a uh, well-deserved time away, rest and uh, relaxation, hopefully, uh, after a big move last month. So uh, this morning we have a, uh, not a guest speaker per se, but uh, Pastor Daniel has been working with a number of uh, folks in the last couple of months, uh, including Maureen who was just here and Brian, who shared a few minutes ago, and some others who are leaders now but in the future may take on even a different dimension or a different kind of leadership, and among them is uh, Jeff and Christine Powell. And this morning, we get to hear the word from our brother Jeff. Where is he? Oh, there he is. I thought you skipped out on us there for a minute. Here's your wife who's over there. <laughs> yeah. So Jeff, come... And bring the word. I prayed for him earlier. I'm going to just pray for him again. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Pray with me. Father, thank you again for bringing uh, uh, Jeff to the pulpit this morning, Lord, and for the mm-hmm. word that you've placed in his heart. And uh, again, I just pray, as I did earlier, that you would give us ears to hear what the spirit would say through our brother and just anoint him for this uh, task this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. amen. thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, So when uh, Pastor Daniel asked me to speak, I was like, man, what am I going to speak about? And, you know, we went through the holidays, and, you know, we had Thanksgiving, which uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas are my two favorite holidays because it's about family coming together, and it's about, you know, celebrating um, some good times with family, and I just started thinking about, you know, um, my kids are growing up, and Christina and I had this discussion, and, you know, Jefferson is... 17, uh, Isaac's 16, Noshi's 14, so they're all in high school this year, and you know, in the next few years, we might not have all the family together for the holidays, you know? Uh, so just kind of started thinking about that, and I just thought, like, man, I, I love my kids. I love my family. You know, I don't always love my kids, but I love my kids. And you know what I'm talking about. And you know, so I, I started thinking about it, and it was just like, you know, between Christina and I, there's a different way that we we love our kids, and that we love each other, and that we love, you know, the different facets of our family. And so uh, it, it came to my heart just to, to kind of speak on the Father Heart of God this morning with you guys. Um, it's not a Father's Day message or anything like that. It's just um, just the view that God gave me of what the Father Heart of God looks like and so I started thinking about, well, what's, what's the difference between, like, a mother's love for their kids and a father's love for our, for our kids? And, you know, I, I went online and I looked for a couple of pictures. Go ahead to that next one, Marsha. There you go. So when moms are alone with their babies, right, it's like, oh, little baby, you're so cute, eh? Gucci, Gucci, and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and, you know, the moms are the nurturing, right? They, they love on their kids, and they, you know, Christina sometimes has to have a difficult conversation with our kids, and, you know... Um, I know her and uh, Jefferson have conversations out on the hammocks in our back deck, and that's kind of their spot to talk and things like that, and that's really cool. And, um, you know, the way Christina communicates with our kids is different how I do. So, Christina sometimes is like this, and you can go to the next one, and this is how I am with my kids. So, I, when I'm talking to shy or something, and we have to do something, and, you know, I'm like, what's up? And he's like, what's up? And it ends up turning into a wrestling match, and, you know, and... I'm still at the point where I can still put them on the ground. I don't know how much longer I'll be able to, but um, that's kind of the difference between, you know, moms and dads when they're interacting with their kids. You can get rid of that. Um, so when, when I was thinking about this and just kind of praying about it and saying, you know, God, like, what, what do you have for this? Um... Some scripture came to mind, and it's, it's a, a parable that we're going we're gonna to read on this morning. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, I don't want to assume that everyone knows Christianese and biblical terms and things like that, um, but a parable is just basically, it's a story that Jesus told specifically in the Bible uh, that had uh, a meaning or a lesson in that story. So we all know that saying, like, the moral to the story is, and this is the kind of, the idea that we have here is Jesus is telling a story, and there's meaning to it. And it's... Uh, um, uh, just so cool how he, how he tells these stories and how people receive these. Um, so, we're going to be in Luke this morning. Uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, I have it up on the overhead as well. But, Luke 15, give you a minute to get there. In my Bible, it's page uh, 1177. Good luck finding it in yours. I meant to look up the, the Red Bible page number, but I forgot. Missed an opportunity to say it, didn't I? All right. So Luke 15, we're going to start in verse 11. And it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants had food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father we're going to pause there. Um, So what's going on here? Jesus is telling some parables, and um, this is is one that he talks about, and he talks about this son, and it's this younger son. There's two boys in this family, and he goes to his dad, and he says, dad, I want my inheritance. And his father gives him his inheritance, and the next day he packs everything up, and he heads out to a far-off land. And when he gets there, he parties it up. And he has a great time, and he, he just spends this money, uh, the King James Version says, uh, in riotous living. I mean, he was reckless with this money, he was carefree with this money, with, with his possessions, with the f- little fortune that he got from his father, and he blew it all. And right about the time, somewhere around where he lost all of that money, uh, severe famine hits the land, and he's got nothing. And he ends up going, uh, finds a job to feed some pigs. And that's about all that's going on at this point. He's feeding these pigs and he's starving. He's thinking about chewing on these corn uh, cobs and, and he comes to his senses and says, You know what? My, my dad's servants live better than I do right now. So maybe I'll go back and I'll formulate this plan where I'm going to make this great speech to him and, and I'm going to go ahead and go back to him and say, You know, just make me one of your servants and at least I'll have a roof over my head and food in my stomach. So that's where we're at this, this point. But uh, I want to go back to the very, very beginning where he says, I want my inheritance. And the uh, first thing I just want to point out here is that the father gave his son the freedom to choose. He gave to his son with love. And this morning as we talk about just a father's love and the father heart of God, um, I just want to focus on what this father does through the love for his son. So even, so even though the, the son's actions, they're very impulsive, right? You know, the father, though, did not stand in the way. And as I was reading this and I was thinking about this, I just thought, man, like, how much are we like that? (laughs) How much do we come to God and and we make these impulsive requests to the Lord and, you know, God still lets us make our mistakes? He says, okay, you know, I respect your your decision. I respect your request. And the father respected his son's independence enough to let him choose his own way. even, even just like how we choose our own way and God lets us, right? We think, oh, we choose, I'm choosing my own destiny or I'm choosing what I want to do. And God says, okay, like I've given you the freedom to choose. Whether it's right or wrong, I've given you that freedom to choose because I love you. But then I was, as I was thinking about it, and you know, the father lo- loved his son and he, he loved in spite of his loss. And it's the same way that God loves us even when we choose to reject him sometimes. And through all of this, even, uh, even thinking about it, it's like everything that the son had was given by the father. You know, the, the son could not have left had it not been for the provision of his father. And it's the same for us today. You know, our lives, our families, our health, they're all God-given things for us. That we have to remember that God is the one that's in charge, and he's the one that supplies for us as our heavenly father. And despite the son's selfish behavior, the father took nothing back. And it got me to thinking, it was like, how does that correlate with us and God today? Like, how does that happen? And I, I was thinking about it, and I, I um, you know, I thought, you know what? I was like, God will sometimes give us blessings even when we don't deserve the blessing. You know, sometimes God says, uh, yes, knowing that we're going to mess up. Because he gave us the freedom of choice. And when we mess up, we have a decision to make at that point. And in that mess up, we say, okay, either I'm going to continue in this mess up in my own power and try and correct it myself, or we make it an opportunity to turn back to our heavenly father. You know, as I was looking at this and the son asked for his inheritance, the father just immediately gave it to him. He didn't say, oh, you know what? Let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's talk finances. Let me talk about a budget with you, or, or how about I give you half now and let's see how you're responsible with it, and maybe I'll give you the other half after I see that you're going to handle it correctly. He gave graciously. He said, okay, I know you're going to mess this up, but I'm going to give this to you knowing what you're going to do with it. And he knew that this son would be distracted by the world and that he was going to be consumed by it. And it's the same way that we get distracted by the world uh, in our lives. You know, sometimes we, we get distracted by movies that are coming out and we just get obsessed with this new movie that's going to be coming out. Um, or, or, you know, for me personally, like cars or sports, they can get really distracting. Um, even when you think about it in this day and age, we have technology, right? We've got, we've got technology at our fingertips. Um, when you think about, you know, everyone has a cell phone, right? You know, we all have cell phones here today, and they can be a real distraction for us. You know, sometimes we get, you know, we get totally obsessed with just how these phones can just, you know, be totally distracting today. And I remember growing up, you know, when we started off with just the phone in the house, you know, it was just the, the dial pad phone with the 20-foot extension swirly cord. Uh-huh. And, and so... I remember growing up, we had the, the phone that was attached to the wall in the kitchen and had that 20-foot cord, and if you were talking to your friend on the phone, you had to go outside, you know, out back to have the private conversation because I'm one of six kids, so it was always some kind of noise in the house. And we see the, that phone's upgraded from there, and then we went to, you know, wireless phones and we went to the cell phones and I remember having that, that block Nokia phone. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And it had one game on it, well, um, Snake bite, And it was a little thing, you eat the apples and it gets longer and longer. You get it, right? Right? We're going nostalgia lane right now. But, uh, but then phones progressed and progressed and over the past 20, 30 years, we have a little computer at our fingertips all the time and it becomes a distraction for us um, and we have habits that we've got to break. You know, and and we could be sitting in church service on our phone while someone is speaking and we're totally distracted to what's being said. And we get to this point where we're like, okay, God, I've got to turn this over for uh, to you and I need you to handle it for me. And God says, all right, I got it. Like, no problem. Let me get rid of it for you. And then it's done. Oh, that broke. So it's a dummy phone, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> but we get to the point where it's like, I have to break free of this and the only thing I can do with this distraction is turn it over to God. And this young son he was distracted by the world and what was going on. And he had a realization just like we do when we realize this distraction is getting me and we realize that the circumstances in our lives bring about a need for our father. You know, when the son was at the lowest point in his life, his need for his father was the greatest. The son hit a low point in his life. He had a small fortune. Right, the way Jesus uh, uh, described this, it's a story, so we don't want to turn it into an isoghetical thing and get our own, uh, you know, uh, story out of it. But if we look at it, Jesus says, you know, that he he had two sons and he had servants and things. So we know that this man was probably wealthy. We can assume that Um, might might have been, you know, some type of noble or something. We don't know, but um, this son got a good chunk of change, and he spent it all, and he hit this low point during a famine. So he was hitting rock bottom. And he realized, you know what, I have a need for my father. And it's the same for us today. When we hit our low points in life, our need for God is the most apparent. When we hit those rock bottom points and when we feel, ah, man, this is hard, that's when we know, okay, God, I need you. I have no other solution. I can't work in my own power. It's time uh, for you to step in. And we know in those low points, that's when God is there for us, if we seek after him. But we also need to remember, we've got to honor him when he pulls us out and brings us back to that that high point as well. We still need to make sure that we are honoring him. You know, so many times people say, oh, when I'm the weakest, God is strongest. And that's true, yes. But we have to remember, when our strongest, God is still the strongest. (laughs) And we need to make sure we are celebrating on those mountaintops with him while we're seeking uh, for him in the valley as well. So while this son was left with nothing... He remembered something. He remembered his father's generosity. He remembered what his father was about and what he had. His father gave him his inheritance and he didn't hold back in giving it. You know, the father loved his son. And it reminds me of God's grace and his provision for us and how they're never far away. And even though his son was in a far off land he still remembered his father and sometimes when we're far away from God we still remember, okay, my heavenly father is still right there. And for some of you today while I'm speaking on this you know, you might not say, well I didn't grow up with a dad or I didn't grow up with with parental figures in my life. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about a heavenly father and if you haven't met him today I encourage you come see us today. You know, the son knew that the father made provision for his servants and he thought, man, you know what? Maybe my father will accept me back. He doesn't have to accept me back as a, as a son. I'll just come back and I'll be happy that, to just be there as a servant. I'll have a roof over my head, I'll have food on my stomach, and I won't be living with pigs. And he thought, well, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll accept me back as one. And he realized that these servants were taken care of because they faithfully served his father. And they knew they did a good job. Okay, cool. They had a position in, in his father's house. And it got me to thinking, and it's like, you know, God really provides for those that faithfully serve him. And the cool thing is, just thinking about it, we faithfully serve the Lord, he provides for us, and and <laughs> it's it's amazing how he provides for our needs. And in so many times it's not even how we expect it to happen, or uh, that need isn't met, how we think it's gonna be met but God still comes through every single time. And not only does it benefit us, but the cool thing is as a Christian, it gives us an opportunity to to share a testimony with others. Here's how God took care of me. And I got to thinking about this son and just his need. And I was thinking about it, and it's just like, man, you know, a child in need yearns for the love of his father just like a broken sinner realizes his need for the love of a creator. And I was thinking about that father's love and how it brings about reconciliation. You know, that son, he could not make it on his own. And he thought, you know, dad gave me my inheritance. You know, I I went out the next day and I spent it and I was reckless with it and I was immoral with it and I wasted it all. And now I'm at the lowest point in my life, so you know what? I've got to formulate this plan now. I've got to get back because I can't survive on my own. And there was a realization that this son's life had led to his ruin. He realized, I messed up. He had lived this life of riotous living, and um, by just leaving his house, he brought shame to his family. You know, when we understand the culture of the time, it's really helpful to, to see, like, the point that Jesus is getting across in so many ways. So if we look at the time during um, while Jesus was there doing his ministry, um, and we look at, back at the, the historical aspect of, of the Jewish nation at the time, and even a lot of the nations at that time, um, it was an honor-shame system. And what that was was basically family was big. It was a familial system. And so you either did things that brought honor to your family or you did things that brought shame to your family. And that was like the moral code is if my family is honored, then cool, I'm Mr. Popular. If I shame my family, then I'm not so good around society. So this son, by asking for his inheritance early from his dad before his father had passed away, he brought a dishonor or disgrace to his father. He embarrassed his father by just bringing this question. See, back then, if, if, when a father passed away, the inheritance was divided among, among his sons. The oldest son got a larger share uh, if there were two sons, um, and then uh, it would be dispersed from there. But uh, many, many times, um, the younger sons wouldn't really get a whole lot. So, this younger, so so the idea here is that this younger son is coming to his dad and saying, hey, before my brother gets everything, give me my portion. Give me what I want. And that was, that was a disrespect to his father. The other thing was, the very next day, he left his home. He was unmarried. He was leaving with his father's fortune, and he was taking it away to a far-off land. Back then, again... If you were an unmarried man and you left your, your family, that was a shameful thing to do. The young men stayed with their fathers and mothers until they got married and either, either they would bring their wife into their home or they would depart be- and expand the family name and the family honor. And so by him leaving, it brought even more disrespect to his father because he left an unmarried man. If we go back to scripture, um, it says, But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, he starts his, his little speech, right? Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Right? You know what I love about this? And and I'm going off my notes already. But what I love about this is the father didn't let him continue with his little planned speech. He cut him off. So while the son is still a far way off, the father sees him, right? And, And, you know, it... It reminds us that the father eagerly sought the return of his son. He was watching for him. His love was seeking for his son. It was seeking him out. And I thought it was interesting when we read that, that while he was still a far way off, so that means that this father was watching for him, whether he was sitting in a chair at the window, just watching the direction that his son had departed, waiting for him to return, or whether he was going about his daily task and often kept looking and just seeing, okay, he's not there. And he would go about his tasks and do what he's doing. And okay, okay, he's not there. And then one day he looks and he goes, there's someone there. I know him. And he recognized his son and he ran out to him. Now, I love how Jesus made that point to say that his father ran out to him. So if we go back to that culture of the time, wealthy men don't run, right? That's what they have servants for. If they have a message for someone, they don't run and take it to them. A man of status didn't run back then. They sent a service, or they simply walked there and took their time because everyone else was on their time. Another thing was that men of high class, they wore long robes. It covered their legs completely. So to run, this father would have had to pick his robe up to run out to his son, exposing his legs, which could be an embarrassment to someone of higher class. He didn't care about any of this. He saw his son. He recognized him. He said, there he is, and I'm going. And he ran out to him. And I love that thought because I think, man, how many times when I drift away from God, he's, he's there waiting, and he's watching, and he's ready to meet me where, we, where I am. So it's just like if God were standing here today, and I'm walking away from him. Um, Dad, come up for a second. Yeah, come here. So it's the same idea. Um, stand up on the step for me. You're shorter than me. Stand up on the step. You got to be taller, right? Okay. All right. That wasn't a knock. I was just saying. <laughs> so, the, so just to give you an idea, you know, when we're in fellowship with God, we're here with Him, right? But then, when we mess up, or when we say, "Oh, you know what? I'm going to go out on my own," and I'm going to go out on my own power, we drift away. There's something I want to point out. I'm moving. He's still there waiting. He didn't go anywhere. And he never does. And our Heavenly Father does not budge. He doesn't move. It's us that do the moving. It's us that do the drifting away. And when we finally are working on our own power and we we have this realization, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom trying to work on our own power and we have this realization that, I messed up and I can't do this on my own. Guess what happens? When we turn around, guess who's still right there and has not budged? And then we have the opportunity to come back and make things right again. And come back to our father's embrace. Thank you. So the father had compassion for his son. He wouldn't even let his son finish that speech that he had rehearsed so well. So even if the son's speech was just a front or it wasn't sincere, uh, it didn't matter. The father didn't give him a, a chance to carry out that plan. And the father showed love in spite of the son's failures. He forgave him because simply his son returned to him. It wasn't for the speech. It wasn't for his appearance, which must have been terrible. I mean, this this guy sold everything he had. He sold his sandals. uh, They had outer garments then. He probably sold that and was just dressed in rags that smelled like pigs. Yeah, right? (laughs) But he forgave him simply because he returned. And the son who had a sense of repentance when he first came to his father, I would bet that that repentance came came, um, into a heartfelt repentance and it became a true repentance because of the way his father responded to him. And we see that the father wiped the slate clean. And we realize that, that our heavenly father's love is unconditional, which is awesome because I mess up so much. So even though the son had squandered his entire inheritance, the father still gave him the best of everything. He brought out a coat and covered up the dirty rags. He brought out a ring and put a ring on his finger. And again, culturally that back then, a ring, a family ring, brings you back to status. He was brought back as a son again, not as a servant, not as a lowly, whatever. He wasn't at the bottom of the totem pole. He was restored to sonship by that ring, by that symbolism. He put sandals on his feet. He brought him back to just how he left him. And then they celebrated. The redemption of the sun was a time of, of just joyous celebration. He killed the fatted calf, which, how many of us make turkey outside of Thanksgiving? Right? I see like two hands. <laughs> right? We save the turkey for the Thanksgiving holiday, right? We save that Christmas ham or whatever uh, protein that you make. We make the big meals for the holidays, right? And it's the same thing here. They had a fatted calf, and they would, they would fatten this calf, and it was a, a young Uh, Calf. So when they slaughtered it, the the meat was tender and juicy and flavorful. And this wasn't something that they did every week. It was was being set aside for a celebration. And this father said, you know what? I'm so happy. Today's a holiday. My son's back. Go kill that fatted calf. He made the ultimate celebration for his son's return. It wasn't just like, bring out the leftovers and heat them up. We're going to party. He said, look, we're going to make a meal out of this. And we're going to have a party because my son was dead and now he's alive and he's returned to us he was lost and now he's found and this son is brought back and he's uh, restored to this this position of honor and luke fifteen ten says the angels rejoice for the lost who are found so i think about that in comparison every single time that we wander away and we come back think of the party that's going on in heaven every single time someone turns back to the father and says lord i'm sorry forgive me bring me back to you and then there's a party in heaven Think of how cool that is. God designated angels just to to celebrate when we return from doing really stupid stuff. (laughs) And if we go back to the scripture and we read the rest of this, it says Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, What was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Not even the accuser can waver the father's love for us. This older brother, he's out in the field. He's working. This whole time that this younger brother's returning and the celebration has started and, and this father is, is just... Just absolutely celebrating his son's return. Meanwhile, the older brother's still out in the field doing his job. And he's coming to the end of his work day and he's walking back to the house and he sees lights on in the house and he hears just music and crowds and partying going on and he sees one of the servants. He's like, yo, come here. Like, what, what is going on? And the servant says, your brother's back and we're celebrating it and your dad killed the fatted calf. And the older brother said, oh, I ain't going in there. And so uh, the servant went in, or however, the father finds out, and the father comes out and talks to him, and the, and the son says, look, I've labored for you all these years, my whole life, I followed what you said, I've done what you asked me to do, I have taken care of my responsibilities, and I have brought honor to this family, and you've not, never even given me a goat to have a get-together with my friends. And I love the father's response. The father says, all that I have is yours. You've always been with me. I acknowledge you. He was like, but we have to remember, your brother has returned to us. We're not looking at his transgressions. We are looking at his return. And he said, you've got to rejoice because your brother is back. God's love is stronger than all of our life's troubles. We have to remember that God always holds on to us even when we let go. And most importantly, through all of this, his love never fades. I want to conclude today with a song for you guys. Um, it just, it felt correct to, to do this song. It's one of my favorite songs um, because I'll share with you guys the story of the prodigal son is my absolute favorite parable because I can relate to it so well. And I see a lot of heads nodding right now in agreement saying, Yep, me too because how often do we fall away from the Lord and oh, thank goodness <laughs> our Father's love is never ending and he still brings us when we come back he brings us right back in so I have some questions for you I'd love for you to think about um, and after the song uh, we're going to have our praise team come up and we'll do a final song with, uh, with some time for altar ministry if you'd love prayer uh, we would love to pray with you um, but I have some questions I want to ask and just so that we can t- contemplate on during this song I encourage you to think about which part of this story may have been impactful for you. Was it that the Father gave His Son the freedom to choose? Or was it that every circumstance in our life brings about the need for our Heavenly Father? Was it that His love is the key to reconciliation? Was it that His love seeks us out just as the Father sought the return of His Son and watched for His return? Was it that His love was unconditional? and he wiped the slate clean when we returned in repentance? Or maybe some of us are at the end of that journey and we've just gotten back to the Lord and we've got that nagging feeling in the back of our mind, oh, the accuser is getting at me. But then we remember that not even the accusers in our life can waver the Father's love. I want to close in prayer and then have the song there and uh, just encourage you just um, to to just take a few minutes with the Lord during this song and see where you're at. Father, I just thank you so much for this opportunity, Lord. I just pray that, um, Father, I hope that your words were spoken. Father, I pray that uh, as we sit here today and and just uh, make this your time, uh, Father, I just I thank you that your love is just so incredible and that it is what it is father i thank you that even when we drift away that you're still there and that your love is unfailing that your forgiveness is there waiting for us so father i just pray this morning just um as we conclude here lord i just pray that uh your will be done and father i just pray that you just work on our hearts and minds to come to you in the right repentance and to the right spirit and the right attitude. Thank you for everything that you've done in our lives and thank you for what you're doing right now. And Father, we're just excited what you have in the future for us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: The great I am Immovable rock Omnipotent Powerful Awesome Lord, Victorious warrior Commanding king of kings Mighty conqueror And the only time The only time I ever saw him run Was when he ran to me He took me in his arms Held my head to his chest Said my son's come home again Lifted my face Wiped the tears from my eyes With forgiveness in his voice Time It's time.